right, we've got a special promotion for the faithful listeners of the VBPH Sermon Podcast. Here's the deal, Jack. <laughs> We're taking an impact team to Pastor Paul and Deanna Alvarez in Lima, Peru. <laughs> they let us know that they need some equipment. We'd like to give you a chance to help us buy them a new iPad and a new smart TV for their children's church. Our goal is to raise $1,000 for these items, and we think you'd like to help. So here's what we're offering. So here's what we came up with, guys. When you donate $30 or more to this fund, uh, you're going to get a six-month subscription to the premium podcast at no additional cost. And when you donate $50 or more, then we're going to give you a full year. How about that? Yeah. You'll get all the benefits of our premium sermon podcast, which means daily sermons, interruption-free listening, and zero commercials. We'll get new subscribers out of it, and Pastor Alvarez will get some new equipment to help with what God is doing there. Uh, we think it's a win-win-win. <laughs> uh, this promotion will only last until our impact team, which is happening toward the end of June. So don't miss this opportunity. But wait. Pastor Adam, Dave, what if, what if I'm already a premium subscriber? I'm so glad you asked. Well, so we are going to pass to you, those of you who are already paying for a subscription, we can give you a gift subscription that you can pass on to somebody else out there who always wanted to subscribe but never got around to it for whatever reason. Right. So all of the links will be in the show notes. And we look forward to being a blessing to you and to Pastor Paul in the coming weeks. Thanks, guys. Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's Monday, and we are posting an instant classic for your inspiration. This message may come from anywhere around the globe, but is sure to stay with you for years to come. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. Praise God. If you have your Bibles, a couple of passages Today, uh, Matthew 28, 19, and 20, Matthew 28, 19, and 20, and then uh, Jeremiah, uh, Jeremiah 28, Jeremiah 28, just giving folks a chance to find their seats here, and we'll start here just a, just a second. Uh, it was a couple of Sundays ago, I was uh, praying in my office uh, before uh, church. is probably about nine in the morning, and I, I get a phone call. You, you know, we often get phone calls, people calling and asking uh, about our church. Uh, someone interested in, in coming to our church and uh, because we're called uh, uh, the Potter's House, I'm sure uh, some of you get some of these calls. Uh, like, are we associated with uh, uh, very about women being loosed? And uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm realizing it's usually women that are calling uh, about that. But uh, anyways, I said, no, uh, same name, uh, different outfit. And... Uh, she, uh, she went on to say, well, you know, I'm, uh, uh, I'm black, and I just, uh, I just want to know something about your church, you know, uh, implying would she be welcome, and uh, is what I thought she was implying, and I'm saying, well, hey, yeah, we have blacks, Mexicans, uh, we've got uh, island, uh, you, you know, we, we even have a couple of white people. And, um, and so, and uh, so then she asked the question. She said, "So, what kind of denomination are you?" And at that moment, I was 
prepared to give the normal response that I would give, uh, uh, which is, you know, we're not a denomination. We're a fellowship, but we're a fellowship of classic Pentecostal doctrine. Uh, that's what I was going to share with her. But before I got the, uh, was able to say the answer, she said, what kind of denomination are you? Black? And I was, uh, and, and not that I'm naive and don't know that people identify denominations uh, along racial lines, but uh, it was, it, it struck me that her concern was not our doctrine, right? Her concern was not uh, our practice, it was not uh, anything but uh, the thing that was going to be the most important indicator whether she came to church or not was whether we were black. And because apparently we were not black enough, <laughs> she didn't come. And think, I'm thinking, you know, where did she end up that day? Or where did she go to church anywhere? And what did she miss out? Because, uh, you know, she would have stepped into a glorious thing if she had seen beyond that. And the reason I say that story is because in the day in which we live, this has become more and more of an issue, and that is not just racial lines, but uh, ethnic lines, uh, national lines, uh, uh, even, uh, we could say, tribal lines of, uh, you know, areas of the country or certain kinds of other orientations, and so our greatest concern, our greatest loyalty, is not what is God doing and what does God want me to do, but I want to make my decisions based on personal preferences of ethnicity, of, of race, of language, of culture, of uh, 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 our national identity or origin. We're going to look at a passage in Jeremiah, which is, uh, is remarkable in that Jeremiah is getting into a very great deal of trouble uh, in all of this process, because when Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon are coming to uh, take over, he is saying, God is into this. God has given Nebuchadnezzar the nations of the world. That's what he's done. He's, an, he's even given him the beasts of the field. He's given him the whole shooting match. And what you need to do is you just need to identify yourself with what God is doing at this time in the history of your nation. The reason that this created problems is because all the other prophets were saying, no, don't, uh, don't cooperate with uh, Babylon. Don't uh, embrace uh, the, the thing that uh, Jeremiah says God's doing. It's, uh, we're, going to, we're going to rebel against that. But in rebelling against their, this nation, they ended up rebelling against God that because of their ethnic, national, racial prejudices, they could not recognize what God was doing. Now, this is a unique example, and it's not a perfect example, but because it's not a perfect example, it's a powerful example. I want to preach about nationalism from these passages of Scripture and uh, the first one we want to look at is our mandate. In Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20, Jesus saying, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, Teach them, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, 
I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Jeremiah 28, 10 through 17. Jeremiah has been instructed by God to place a yoke upon his neck and to communicate to the nation that what they need to do is submit to the, uh, to the nation uh, of Nebuchadnezzar, uh, that that's what God is doing, and that's how God is going to bless their lives. And so a man named Hananiah uh, contradicts that in Jeremiah 28, verse 10. Then Hananiah, the prophet, took the yoke off the prophet Jeremiah's neck and broke it. And Hananiah spoke in the presence of all the people, saying, Thus says the Lord, Even so I will break the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, from the neck of all nations within the space of two full years. The prophet Jeremiah went his way. Now the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah after Hananiah the prophet had broken the yoke from the neck of the prophet Jeremiah, saying, Go and tell Hananiah, saying, Thus says the Lord, You have broken yokes of wood, but you have made their places yokes of iron. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, I put a yoke of iron on the necks of all these nations that they may serve Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, and they shall serve him. I have given them the beasts of the field also. Then the prophet Jeremiah said to Hananiah, the prophet, hear now, Hananiah, the Lord has not sent you, but you make this people trust in a lie. Therefore... Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will cast you from the face of the earth. This year you shall die because you have taught rebellion against the Lord. So Hananiah the prophet died the same year in the seventh month. I want to talk about nationalism. And when I talk about nationalism, I'm not talking about patriotism. I'm talking about putting the loyalty of your nation above your loyalty to the kingdom of God. I'm talking about something that goes beyond just national. It can be tribal. It can be ethnic. It can be racial. Anything that trumps the kingdom of God for the loyalty of your life. I want to say something. These, these, this false prophet is preaching independence. He's preaching independence. But preaching independence was preaching rebellion. If you don't remember anything I say other than this today, remember, the voice of independence is the voice of rebellion. Okay, I know <laughs> this is thrilling, isn't it? The, the, the voice of independence is the voice of rebellion. See, we have a mandate that has been given to us by Jesus Christ, a mandate to reach the world, to make disciples of all nations. That is the issue today. The issue is whether or not we are going to be obedient to this mandate. Now, nobody stands up and says, I don't want to reach the world for Jesus. I don't want to see people saved. I don't want to make disciples. I don't want to plant churches. I don't want to do that. I'm going to rebel. Nobody says that. Rebels don't talk that way. Rebels say, I want to win souls. I've got a heart for the nations. I want to make disciples. I want to fill the earth with the glory of God. My way. That's a rebel. All the right words, just the X factor, which is, but I am going to do it my way. See, there are rebels. We should be familiar with this. People whose pursuit of the kingdom of God is not about the agenda of the kingdom of God, but their own personal agenda. Paul experienced this in his ministry in Philippians 1, 15 and 16, says, Some indeed preach Christ even out of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. The one preached Christ of contention, not sincerely supposing to add affliction to my bonds. 
He says there's some people out there, they're preaching the gospel that they're proclaiming, it's right, but their whole motivation is for self-interest. See, rebellion is self-interest manifested. Rebellion is self-interest manifested. If you have self-interest at the core of your being, then you have rebellion at the core of your being. Okay? That, that's, that's just how it plays out. See, Paul appeals to the Philippians in the next chapter and says, Therefore, if there are any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any infection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. Okay, that selfish ambition... And that term for, uh, for strife, these are the same words. These are people in the, who mouth the right words, but if their experience with Jesus Christ is real, if there's any authenticity to their experience with Jesus and with the Holy Spirit, then they're going to be able to get on the same page. They're going to be able to submit themselves to the thing that God is doing. And if they're launching off and doing their own thing, then it doesn't matter how they speak, their experience is in contradiction to the Spirit of God. See, rebellion is self-interest manifested. It's never expressed in those terms, but in rebellion, the issue is never the issue. Right? In 1990, we had a rebellion. Everybody say, you know, uh, we want to change this tithe structure or we're out of here so we changed the tithe structure and they still left because the issue is not the issue in 2000 we disciplined a gentleman and uh, people took his part and left the fellowship because of their loyalty to this man and they've all for the most part left him now too because the in rebellion the issue is not the issue. The issue is self-interest. That's what's at stake. How I can get mine in the kingdom of God. Here is Hananiah. He is speaking a very popular message. He is appealing to the patriotism, to the loyalties, to the affections of the nation of Israel at that time. But he is lying through his teeth. He is telling them something that is absolutely not true. And he is doing that because it serves his personal interest. Then the prophet Jeremiah said to Hananiah the prophet, Hear now, Hananiah, the Lord has not sent you, but you make this people trust in a lie. Therefore, thus says the Lord, Behold, I will cast you from the face of the earth. This year you shall die, because you have taught rebellion against the Lord. So recently, in our fellowship, we've had some experiences with national-motivated rebellions. We had a man in Mexico who used to stand behind this pulpit during conferences and say, Pastor Mitchell... I am your man. And then, when he got down from the pulpit, saying, yeah, those Americans don't understand us. We're, this is Mexico, and we've got to do it Mexico's way. And uh, America, that's fine, you know, they... they they have their thing, but uh, uh, they don't understand us, and, and we don't want to uh, have them insinuating themselves into our affairs. And this is rebellion with a nationalistic flag waving over it. We've had an experience recently that Pastor Cluck mentioned in the Philippines of a man who is seeking to draw the entire Filipino fellowship out of our fellowship because uh, for his own self-interest. And uh, our brother shared how when he preempted a meeting that was supposed to take place as 
as accusations that were brought against him were to be aired with uh, Pastor Mitchell, Board of Elders representatives, and, and folks from the Philippines. He preempted that meeting, had his own meeting, and started off the meeting not with Amazing Grace, but with a Filipino national anthem. What is that? Okay, that is exploiting people, appealing to their nationalistic identity, but the issue is self-interest. See, this can happen not just on national lines, this can happen upon ethnic lines, racial lines, even section of the fellowship lines. I pastor a church that for many, many years was isolating itself from the larger fellowship. The church that I pastors was one of the main leadership churches, had uh, at one time two conferences a year and then down to one, and uh, before this man was disciplined, he hadn't had Pastor Mitchell preach in his church in 13 years. Okay, so from 1987 till 2000, I'm not going to let the leader of our fellowship and my pastor, his pastor, preach not only in his church, but to that whole wing of the fellowship. That's a tribalism. That is, I thank God that you love your pastor and you love your home church and your bros that are out of your church. But can I tell you, you have to understand that people can exploit that. Rebels can exploit that. We're not talking about not loving your country. Right? I appreciate it. Pastor Kusi last night talking about Great Britain and saying it's the greatest nation on the earth. Okay? That's good that he feels that way. Right? <laughs> no. Right? You want a man to love his country. You want a man to have loyalty to his country. The thing is, you don't want that to trump the greater loyalty to the thing that God's doing. And I, for, I know Pastor Kusi a little bit, and I can tell you that's not in him. You can be loyal to your country and be loyal to the kingdom of God. They can say, well, these Americans, they don't understand us. But you understand, you, you know, you're just... The Bible says that uh, they that turn the world upside down have come hither also. We love that verse, don't we? Do you know your nation needed to be turned upside down? <laughs> All was not right with your nation. Okay? You needed revival. Okay? And so it's great to love your country. It's great to be loyal to your country. But you understand that what God is doing, this man, this prophet, was preaching independence. But independence was a cover for rebellion. Independence was rebellion to what God was doing. Independence was casting aside what God had spoken through the prophet he was doing in the earth. Now, I understand. There's lots of anti-Americanism in the world today. You know why I know there's a lot of anti-Americanism in the world today? Because there's a lot of anti-Americanism in America today. <laughs> you, you turn on a, just about any uh, media outlet at all, and you'll hear the hatred of America just pour forth. So if we do it here, I can just imagine that it's amped up in other places. But George Bush is not your pastor. Okay, Dick Cheney is not your assistant pastor. Right, Donald Rumsfeld is not your outreach director. But it does so happen that the leader of our fellowship is an American. But when he's preaching to you, he is not preaching to you George Bush's political agenda. He is preaching to you the agenda of the kingdom of God. And if you put your fingers in it, no, 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 not listening, not listening, not listening, because he's an American. 
because he's an American or he's white or he's from the Southwest or he's older than you then what you're doing is you're allowing other loyalties to trump the crucial loyalty that is involved in your future. See, this is a very evil thing. Because really, this, what this is talking about is witchcraft. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Any rebel, and we're talking about leadership rebellion, they are going to dominate the minds they're going to witch the people underneath them. See, the people underneath your leadership, right? They know their whole future kind of rests in your hands. You can make decisions about churches and future and whether you're relegated to some backwater somewhere. And in leadership rebellion, national rebellion, tribal rebellion, ethnic rebellion, you can so dominate and exploit those people's lives that you separate them from the kingdom of God that God had linked them to. This is witchcraft, and it's evil. See, I read a book years ago about church splits. It says, you know, every church split is not about doctrine. It's not about practice. It's about one rebel. You need to think about that. Because there's people who die on the battlefield passionately thinking they're dying for some issue and all they were is exploited by a rebel. And the church is destroyed and uh, I can tell you from first-hand experience uh, that a multitude of lives are destroyed when one rebel... See, how could a man do that? destroy an entire church, an entire ministry for his own selfish agenda. It's called arrogance, pride. It's like, I want to reach the world my way. You don't have to say, I don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God. You don't have to say, I don't want all the heathen to perish forever. I hope all the rest of the world just drops off into hell and burns. It, it, rebels don't say that. They say all the right words, just, I'm going to do it my way. And I can point to some infraction here, some perceived infraction, some perceived slight. And don't you know that Hananiah could look at a lot of problems with Babylon? Hananiah, the false prophet, could point out lots of reasons not to be loyal to what God was doing. You know, there's lots of things wrong with the United States of America, right? There's lots of Babylon in the United States of America, right? We're, and those of us here, we're trying. We're, we're preaching. We're trying to get them saved. But uh, we're not a perfect place. But don't you for a minute think that you can embrace all the PC anti-Americanism throughout the world and then impose that upon our leadership and think that because of the imperfections of the nation of America, you don't have to align yourself with the structure of our fellowship. It's what God is doing. This is not a work of man. This is a work of God. He raised this up. You're saved today because of an American. We don't want you all to move to America. We, we've got enough uh, coming in all the time. We're, we, you know. We're not trying to make you Americans. But don't use anti-Americanism as a cover for rebellion. See, the voice of independence is the voice of rebellion. The voice of independence from the fellowship, from the leadership structure of the fellowship, though it comes from America, is the voice of rebellion. 
Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Pastor Olson was talking to us about selective submission. Yeah, I'll submit in some things, but not in that thing. People, they call for the indigenous principle. Like, well, what about indigenous? Isn't to the Philippines to be an indigenous work? Isn't to this nation or that nation? You know what? I pastor an indigenous church. But I don't pastor an independent church. I can't take that church and do whatever I want to do with it. I am voluntarily accountable to the leadership structure of our fellowship and to my pastor. Okay? And so I am not an independent church and neither is any nation and groups of churches in a nation. The indigenous is not a violation, is not, I'm sorry, indigenous is not independent. Indigenous is not saying, hey, we can now do it our way. We can do it the Filipino way. See, they can talk all they want about how much they appreciate the fellowship and appreciate Pastor Mitchell and appreciate all the labors and all the investment. But remember, Judas betrayed Jesus with a kiss. It's always that way. It's always like, yeah, see you later. And we so appreciate you and all you did for us and all those labors and we'll remember you. I want to look at the results of rebellion. It was Dr. Johnson who said, patriotism is the last refuge of a scoundrel. Let me say that again. Dr. Johnson said that patriotism is the last refuge of a scoundrel. Now, that doesn't mean that patriotic people are scoundrels. What that means is, it's very easy for scoundrels to wrap themselves in their flag. There's something about when scoundrels put their flag around them that it obscures their scoundrelness. <laughs> Ambrose Pierce, this guy I've never heard of, but he disagrees with Dr. Johnson. Dr. Johnson said it's the last refuge of a scoundrel. This man said it's the first. Patriotism is a great thing, but you know what? Scoundrels can wrap themselves in the flag. See, I know we've had rebellions before. We've had churches rebel and fellowships within our fellowship rebel. But if we are going to come to the place where entire nations are going to rebel and walk away, then we might as well just all walk away from here right now. Grab as many donuts as you can carry, and let's... Because uh, our mandate is to reach the world. 
Okay, our mandate is to make disciples of all nations. And there is absolutely no way, there's no way, no way that any nation is going to evangelize the world all by itself. We must partner together. We must lay down issues of self-interest and nationalistic pride that would counteract to the thing that God's doing. God has raised us up to reach the world for Jesus Christ. And if you care about souls, then this is a non-issue. You're not even going there. But if this is an issue in your life, then I would say that nationalism and self-interest and rebellion has trumped a burden for souls in your heart. Because if you care at all about Jesus' command to us, then you know We've got to link our hearts together with a structure that God has raised up so that we can win a world for Jesus. See, if we just split off into our different nationalistic and ethnic and racial identities, then we, our expressions of world evangelism involvement are going to just be token expressions. You hear about it all the time, right? Some youth group, you know, from the Baptist church went down to build a church in Costa Rica. Well, that's great. That's a good thing to do. But you know what? That's just a building in Costa Rica. And that's what most of the church world is satisfied with. Some token expression, right? Something, you know, send the kids to you know, build a church or six flags, whichever, you know, whatever. <laughs> but see, God is not going to let us get away with that. Listen to me. Listen to me. God is not going to let you get away with token world evangelism expressions. Just something that you today, well, look. Look at all the places I went this year. Look at, we put a guy in Turzbekistan. We're reaching the world, man. Don't you tell me I don't care about souls. Yeah, you're not impressing me. Okay, I have a little church world background. I, have, I, I can tell you, I know there's a lot of fine people that are in the mission field today from different denominations and fellowships. But can you, do you grasp that for 2,000 years the church of Jesus Christ has failed to obey this mandate? to make disciples of all nations. You think 2,000 years would be enough time to pull that off? And why? Because of what I'm talking about right now. This is it. This is the issue. Is that when it comes right down to laying down self and arrogance and self-interest and self-survival and self-protection and self-exaltation for the purposes of reaching the world for Jesus, we choose self first. But we never say it that way. We've always got a perfect, flawless theological argument for it. But if you, the voice is the voice of independence, it's the voice of rebellion. The voice of independence is the voice of rebellion. This is talking about the loss of multitudes of precious souls. Do you know, does that trouble you? Does that concern you? I mean, I'm part, I, I pastor church that at one time had 70 churches, ran hundreds of people, reaching nations, having impact. You know, and most of those churches that existed at that time no longer exist. Now that's sad, but it's beyond sad, it's tragic. When you understand that there were lost, perishing souls that God wanted to reach through all those churches. Somebody is going to answer for those souls. That ought to chill your bones. That ought to keep you awake at night 
somebody is going to answer for souls, precious souls, that were sacrificed on the altar of self-interest. Say all you want about America and the fellowship and this and that, and just, just keep shooting your mouth off about all the pimples we might have on our face. But you know what? You're not going to say any of that to Jesus Christ when you stand before him. I'm not trying to be melodramatic here. I, I, I'm trying to, to communicate my heart tonight. If you, if you think that your petty little issues are going to wash with the Son of God that gave his blood for the salvation of precious souls and he's going to listen to you? Somebody hurts your feelings? Somebody told you no? Somebody kicked your butt when maybe you didn't deserve it? But the one you did deserve, you get away with. Isn't it like that with our kids, too, you know? <laughs> See, this is going to bring, listen to me, God judges rebels. And again, that ought to chill our bones. Because rebellion is in the heart of every one of us. Don't think it for a moment. Oh, now, but now I'm, I'm an adult child. I don't need the oversight I once did. Do you understand that the older you get, the more oversight you need than ever? See, when we're young pastors, we don't know a thing and we know it. When we're older pastors, we know a lot and we think we know enough. And you don't. Go and tell Hananiah, saying, Thus says the Lord God, You have broken yokes of wood, but you have made in their places yokes of iron. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. You're going to get your wing of the fellowship. You're going to get your, uh, somebody that, uh, that can identify more than those, those white people up in Prescott. Or those Americans. We're going to cast off that yoke. But you understand, when you cast off the yoke of godly oversight and leadership, you're not free. You put on the yoke and you dominate those people's lives and destroy their lives as they are made to serve your self-interest. You set them free from a yoke of wood and put upon them a yoke of iron. Therefore, thus says the Lord, Behold, I will cast you from the face of the earth. This year you shall die because you have taught rebellion against the Lord. He died two months later. See, when you read the book of Jeremiah, and I think Pastor Cluck uh, used a reference from Jeremiah yesterday, and all the indictments against the shepherds of Israel, the leaders of Israel, and their self-interest, and they're padding their own bank accounts and doing what... But do you understand that the main indictment is right here? Shepherds of Israel that preached independence as a guise for rebellion. And God judged them. He said, you know what? You're going to be like the dung left on the earth. Walk around, see a pile of poop. That's a, that used to be a leader. Okay, that's Holy Spirit words. I didn't make that up. I mean, God's, why did he say it that way? Can we talk? No, let's, you just think about it. Why did he say it like that? I'm going to close quickly with protecting our hearts. See, the, the normal religious response to this is to, you know, create some denominational structure that will protect us, and we refuse to do that. We put some things in place without apology, but we are not going to be a denomination. It's important that we raise up disciple leaders. Listen to me, disciple leaders. You know, I've been a pastor since 1979. I'm 52 years old. I still need my pastor to be able to disciple me. The moment that I think I don't need any more 
advice, any more instruction, any more correction. I'm done. And if there is a leader out there that you think you can do it all by yourself, you are abundantly, hopelessly deceived. We don't need a bunch of powerful, independent leaders. We need disciple leaders. Guys that no matter how large they get, no matter how successful they get, uh, no matter how vast their ministry becomes, they remain disciples. They remain in submission. The voice of independence is the voice of rebellion. See, realize that God is going to use voices outside of your culture to speak to you. Listen to me. God is going to use voices outside of your culture to speak to you. I can, you know, I have an Hispanic preacher come to my church. We run more people than when I bring in a white guy. That's not an indictment against my church. That's talking about visitors that come. Do you understand? You're just appealing to people's self-interest. You're going to draw. And if you, if you just go with that and don't deal with that, if you don't deal with that prejudice, you know, it's hard. Pastor, you know, there's lots of anti-Americanism in our media. Well, what are your people watching? I thought they were supposed to throw out their TVs. <laughs> There's a lot of Britney Spears out there too, but you preach against her. Oh, you don't? <laughs> I mean, isn't our job to counteract what the culture is trying to put in our people? But you let anti-Americanism be put in your people? Why? Because it serves your schemes for your future? And people start speaking anti and you know, you work this out, you're a pioneer pastor, and somebody says something about George Bush and you throw him out the door. I'm not talking about that. I'm just I'm talking about people who should know better and shoot their mouth off about the involvement of Prescott in their church or in their area of, the, of ministry. You know, before we left the fellowship, one of the most remarkable things, it was, I think it was back in 82, we had a kind of a joint conference with our Foursquare bros and us. And one of the most interesting parts of that was when they had their pioneer pastor get up and share his testimony about how angels were telling people to come to his church. And I mean, we're sitting there and horrified. I mean, can you check with this guy has a wife? That was the best they had. Do you want your sons and your grandsons Discipled by Marilyn Hickey? Because that's just how they'll talk. Praise the Lord, Grandpa. <laughs> Joyce Meyer? You got to embrace Commonwealth. Commonwealth. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about obeying the mandate that Jesus laid down for us. And if you allow any loyalty of your life to preempt that, Jesus said, if you love father and mother more than me, you're not worthy of me. You think he's going to give you a pass on your country? On your race? Come on. You know, in the next chapter, we read one of... One of our favorite passages of Scripture. I, I, I say that because I, I think usually there won't be a conference that goes by that we don't hear this text. You can look at it in Jeremiah 29, verses 11 and 12. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call on me and pray to me, and I will listen to you. 
and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. I know that the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord, they're thoughts of good and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Can you, don't you thank God for that? But you understand that promise was given in the context of what I'm talking about right now? That promise is not for the independent. That promise is not for rebels. That promise is not for those who put other loyalties ahead of the loyalty to the kingdom of God. That promise is for people who will submit to what God is doing, who will have commonwealth, who will keep a vision of lost souls before us. You know what? If we could have won the world and we don't, we'll answer for it. Well, nobody's done. God's raised us up to do it. We're the ones who could do it. And I don't say that with arrogance. I'm saying this is the ministry explained in this book for how this world is supposed to be reached. And if we don't do it, we're going to answer for it. In heaven, in heaven, they're worshiping the Lamb. All glory praise unto the Lamb. You've redeemed us by your blood from every tribe and tongue and kindred and nation and has made of us a kingdom. That's the plan of God. Not all separate places. You know, separate, you know, it's not going to be all separated in heaven, you know. And it's not to be that way here on earth. Independence, the voice of independence is the voice of rebellion. The voice of independence is the voice of rebellion. The voice of independence is the voice of rebellion. Commonwealth. And we can stand before God one day and have him say to us, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless.